Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Amen. Good morning, Hope Elam. Wherever you're at, online or in the room, let's say together, wait for it. Wait for it. Just a show of hands, any uh, Hamilton fans out there? It's okay to admit. Quite a few, absolutely. And that song is going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. You're welcome. But wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Wait for it. If you're, if you're aware of Hamilton, even if you're not, that is the message uh, of that song from the popular musical, certainly for the character of Aaron Burr, but for Leslie Odom Jr. and the rest of the, the cast there. They're singing this powerful song that I actually think is the, centra- the central message for us this morning. It's wait for it. Everybody say wait for it. Wait for it. In fact, waiting is a big part of this season that we're in. If you think about it, waiting for it, waiting for anything, is really difficult. That was five seconds, and some of you are squirming. You're like, that was awkward. That was five seconds. Waiting is difficult. We live in a culture of immediacy. We live in a culture where everything that we want seems to be at our fingertips. I can do the entirety of my Christmas shopping from my couch and never leave. I can communicate with anybody in the world in the palm of my hand from that phone that you might be holding or have in your pocket right now. We live in a culture of immediacy, and yet you think about it, most of life is lived waiting in seasons of we're always waiting for something. And certainly that is true this time of year. I don't know when you decorated for Christmas or when you uh, put your, your tree up. Our family was a little bit behind. It wasn't right before Thanksgiving, but the week this past week, we put up our tree and literally within three seconds of that tree going up and the lights going on, our kids are seven and nine. What do you think our kids are asking? Where's the presents, right? Well, they're coming from Amazon, but they're, they're, not, they're not here quite yet. Some of them are, some of them aren't, but we have a hard time waiting. And that not only when are we going to get open presents, but when is Christmas? How many days until Christmas? And what am I getting for Christmas? And I responded to them, room and board for the next year. That is your gift. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's, I didn't say that to them. Here's the thing. I don't think that our struggle with waiting ends with our childhood. Every single one of us walked in here this morning and we are waiting for something. What are you waiting for these days? What what, what do you hope? Where are you looking for some breakthrough for God to answer a prayer? What are you waiting for? For some of you, you're waiting for diagnosis. You're waiting for that report to come back. You're praying for a good outcome. Some of you are waiting for healing for yourself or for a family member. Some of you are waiting for a job change, a career change. You're waiting for that next uh, vocational call to, to satisfy the desires of your heart. Some of you are just looking for any job at all. Some of you are waiting for that next check to come through so you can make the next month's rent. Some of you don't want to go one more Christmas without a significant other. You're waiting for love. You're waiting for companionship. What are you waiting for today? Fill in the blank. I just don't think I can wait 
any longer. What is that for you? And right into the middle of our culture of immediacy, where everything is at our fingertips, right in the middle of our waiting drops this season called Advent that we are in as a church. And let me just say this. Some of you are like, I grew up in the church. I get it. The Advent wreath. I've got one on my table at home. I'm all about the church here and all of that. And some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. And I want to make something very clear. You are welcome. You are loved. You are accepted at Hope Elam, whether you have even ever heard of the word Advent before, whether you know about the church here or any of these traditions, we are so glad that you are here, whether you have a church background or no church background at all. God sees you. He loves you. And we love it that you are here at Hope Elam. Amen? We're so glad that you're here. And yet, there's something good about traditions sometimes that they help us navigate the seasons of life. We are in the season of Advent, known in the church calendar as these four Sundays leading up to the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Advent comes from, uh, the roots are in the Latin word adventus. Everybody say adventus. Adventus. And there's nothing super fancy about it. It just literally means the arrival or the coming, and we're waiting for Jesus. And believe it or not, as long as we think that we have to wait for something to come in the mail, waiting for Jesus took a lot longer. For centuries, for millennia, even God's people, God's, the Jews, Israel, was waiting for thousands, hundreds of years for the Messiah to come and set things right. In fact, there is numerous prophecies about this Messiah, this Christ that would come. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 7. If you go to the next slide, let's read this nice and loud together from Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The time, the space between that promise, that prophetic word, and Jesus being born in Bethlehem, 700 years. 700 years of waiting. And I don't know about you, but when I see a long line at the grocery store, I I intentionally go to the other line because I can't wait another 40 seconds. 700 years. In fact, there was a season of those 700 that's 400 years that's called the intertestamental period. It's literally what it says it is between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament when Jesus is born. 400 years where we know that God was moving and working, but they didn't know that at the time. It was 400 years, almost four generations went by. Seemingly, theologians will say, God was silent. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like God is holding out on you somehow, that you've been asking for change, you've been asking for transformation, you've been praying the same prayers, you've been longing for something in your life or a person in your life to change or their heart to change or be transformed, and it just seems like God is silent. We have the ability on this side of Christmas, we, not to the second coming yet, but we have seen his first coming, that we have a God that comes through on his promises, that even when it feels like you're alone and you're afraid and it's dark, For 400 years, we know God was working behind the scenes. God's silence does not equal his absence. Amen? Amen. God's silence does not equal his absence. In fact, that's sometimes when God is doing his best work. God was creating the greatest breakthrough in human history during those 400 years. The problem is, is that we don't always believe that. Oh, yeah, I trust God, but then we don't when it comes to waiting. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time 
waiting. And what we do is that in our waiting, there's always some sort of pain associated with waiting. Whether it's just our impatience or we're waiting for that pain to be resolved, we want to do whatever we can, as quickly as we can, to fix it. And so what you and I do is that when we're in seasons of waiting for something in our lives, we come up with coping mechanisms. And it looks different for all of us. I don't know if any of you are a recovering control freak like I am, but I like to control things and make things happen when I want. Anybody struggle with control? You're not admitting it because you want to control the fact that you don't want to admit that you're good. You get it, right? We want to control others. We manipulate others. We want to control God and his timing on things. If it's not that, some of us are just like, well, maybe if I just numb the pain. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of not being the person that I want to be. I'm tired of what I, what I see when I look in the mirror. I don't like myself. I don't like who I am. I don't like my marriage. I don't like my family. And there's a lot of pain. So I'm just going to numb it with some kind of substance. And I'm just going to go back to the store, back to the bottle, or back to the fridge, or I'm not going to. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to try to numb it somehow by what I consume online, some substance in my life to just numb the pain. For some of us, if we can't do that, we'll just blame. We'll point the finger of blame at others. Well, I feel this pain inside, so I'm just going to point the finger of blame at somebody else or maybe at God. Because God's not coming through in the way that I thought he would, because he's holding out on me. And the problem is with all of those things is that they never quite actually bring the healing that we're looking for. So when you're in pain, when you're waiting, when you're impatient, a really good question to ask yourself below the surface is to say, God, show me what are my emotional band-aids? What are the things that I run to when I'm hurting? What are the things I run to when I'm waiting, when I'm longing for something, when I'm impatient? What are the things that I run? What are my emotional band-aids, the things that just cover up the wound or the pain, but they never actually heal it? We need a healer. We need something more. And praise God that he offers that to us. While you are waiting, God is working. This is the story of God's people from beginning to end. And because of that, I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning. Your waiting is never wasted when you know God. Amen? Amen. Your waiting is never wasted when you know God. He is always moving and working behind the scenes. I love how pastor and author Rich Velotis puts it. He says this. What God does in us, everybody say in us. Not the person next to you you. What God does in us as we wait is often much more important than what we are waiting for. If we are not careful, we will settle for the gifts instead of the giver himself. We'll make it all the way to Christmas and miss Jesus because God wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. What God wants to do in us on the journey while we wait is almost just as important as what we are wanting to get. And today, because waiting is so important, I want to show you, propose to you, three gifts that God wants to give us while we wait. We can't experience them if we get everything we want when we want it, but while we wait, God wants to give us these gifts. First of all, of his presence. Secondly, of prayer, of learning to listen to the heart of God well. And thirdly, the gift of his power. While we wait, God is always working. And that's why we're called to wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Wait for it. it. We wait for it, first of all, for the gift of God's presence. We learn how to be fully present. If we never had to wait for anything, we would always be running around. If we never had to wait for anything, we would not learn the gift of being still, 
of being present, and yet how do we learn how to be fully present? To the people around us, to God, we watch the life that Jesus lived. Okay? If you have your Bibles, you can go to John chapter 1. That's our reading for today. And right after our official reading, right after that in verse 14, we read this all-important, powerful verse from verse 14. Let's read it together. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The Word became human. I, I love Peterson's translation in the message version. He says, the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Some of you are like, Santa Claus is coming to town. Way before that, Jesus coming to town. And he's coming to your town. And he's coming to your heart and he's wondering if there is room. We sing uh, in Christmas songs, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel literally means God with us. Of all the ways that God could have saved the world, <laughs> he chose to be one of us. The, the fancy church word for that is the incarnation, or literally a God or a deity putting on human nature, putting on flesh. God with us. Not God against us. Not God judging you. Not God angry with you. God with us. And yet we forget that this God who is with us extends beyond the manger. This Christ child did not stay a baby. He became a man who is our Savior. And Jesus is showing us what it's like to, to, to experience God, how close he is. Think about it. Go back to that first Christmas. If you've ever doubted, is God close? Does God care about my circumstances? Is God absent? Is he distant? I want you to think about the image of baby Jesus being held by maybe his 14, 15-year-old, in those days, Mother Mary, holding him close to her chest, so close, and parents, you know this, so close that you can literally feel their heartbeat. And maybe in that moment, Mary actually felt the heartbeat of God himself. God, I wonder if you care. God, I wonder if you're close. It doesn't get any closer than that. In the same way that Lindsay was holding Olive up here earlier for the baptism. That is how close God comes to us. And yet we think that the incarnation, that Emmanuel, God with us, that that theme somehow ends with Christmas. Take down the manger, close up the cradle, that's over. When actually, this is how Jesus lived his entire life, of God with us. All throughout the Bible, Jesus loves the unlovable. He gives grace to those that don't deserve it. He touches the untouchables. Check this out in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is doing some ministry with his disciples and he comes upon a man with leprosy. Verse 1 through 3, it says, Then a man with a skin disease came to Jesus. The man bowed before him and said, Lord, you can heal me if you will. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I will be healed. And immediately the man was healed from his disease. Why is this such an important story? Because this man with a skin disease, leprosy in those days, it was believed to be highly contagious. Highly contagious. You stay away. It was believed. The myth, the narrative, which is completely untrue, is that if you touch somebody with leprosy or they touch something and you touch that, that all of a sudden you're going to get leprosy. And because of this, lepers were, had relational and emotional dis disconnect from the rest of the community because nobody touched lepers, let alone went near them until Jesus until the God of the universe. It's not just that he healed him. 
It's that he touched him. As if God is trying to communicate to you this morning, there is nothing in your life that is beyond my reach. There is nothing in your life that I can't touch. No, Jesus, I just don't want to keep you at a distance. I'll come and sing the songs and pray the prayers and turn on the Christmas lights and get in the Christmas spirit, but stay away from my marriage. Stay away from my dating life. Stay away from my finances. Stay away from my relational struggles in my marriage. Stay away from my parenting, whatever it is. Jesus says there's no part of your life that I can't invade, that I can't touch. I am here. God with us. Emmanuel. This is who Jesus is. There's no part of your life he can't touch. Jesus is slowing down and showing us what it means to be present. Why does Jesus live this pace of life? Why does he slow down? Why didn't he just say, hey, leper, be healed. I'm busy. I'm on my way. Because it's really hard to love in a hurry. You ever thought about that? The relationships you have in your life that are the most meaningful, the people that you've connected with the most, it has not been microwaved. You can't microwave friendship. You can't microwave intimacy. When in fact, a lot of times, it's about the amount of conflict that we're willing to work through that determines the depth of our relationships. It's about the time that we spent together. It's about the times that we're hugging and being together. You can't love in a hurry. Love has a speed and it's slower than you are. Love has a speed, and it's slower than we are. The story is told of a um, pretty well-known pastor or author many years ago, and he was struggling. He was stressed. He had anxiety. He felt overwhelmed by all the demands of life. I'm sure nothing that that we can relate to today, but uh, he was struggling with this. And he didn't know what to do, and so he went to his mentor, which is another well-known Christian author named Dallas Willard. And this was an old, wise man, and he went to him, and he's saying, I'm disconnected from God. I'm so busy, I'm so tired, I'm stressed, I got all these things on my to-do list, my spiritual life is dried up, I feel this disconnect from God, and I want to feel closer to him. How do I do this? And he was waiting, to, what, what book should I read? What self-help technique should I do? Or seven steps to this, or ten steps to that? What, what books on theology should I read? How, I need some more depth in my life. I need to consume some more information. Tell me what to do, Dr. Willard. The wise old man sat back in his chair and he thought for a moment and he said, there is one thing that you must do. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And this young pastor was so mad. What? That's it? Give me a book to read. Give me a list. Give me a punch list of things that you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Willard goes on to write in one of his books, he says that Jesus lived a full life. In fact, he says Jesus was always busy, just like you are. And yet he was never hurried. And the difference is a condition of the soul. How's your soul this morning? Is everything great and Christmassy and shiny and bright and smiley on the outside and inside you are just crumbling because you're so scattered, because there's so much noise, there's so much heart clutter inside of you? It's hard to love 
in a hurry. Whether we're called to love God with all of our hearts or whether we're called to love our neighbors, it's hard to love in a hurry. God wants to give you the gift of his presence for you to be fully present this Christmas season. What if our goal, what if your goal as a follower of Jesus this Christmas season was present over perfect? Some of you are trying to achieve something that God never asked you to be. He didn't call you to be perfect. He calls you to be present. You're not going to always get it right, Mom. You're not always going to get it right, Dad, Grandpa, Grandma. You're not always going to be the perfect small group member, the perfect friend, the perfect colleague, the perfect coworker. You're not called to perfection. You're called to faithfulness. You're called to be present. Present over perfect. Watch Jesus' life and the way that he lived. Even the people that were with Jesus, that spent time with him in the first century, they missed it. Go back to our gospel today in John chapter 1, and we pick it up in verse 11, or excuse me, in verse 10. It says, he, meaning Jesus, came to the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. What is that telling us? It is possible to be face-to-face with your Savior and miss it. Because Jesus didn't meet your expectations for what he would look like. God's people were waiting for a military Messiah. They wanted a king to ride in on a white horse and kick out the Romans and take them out. Jesus, you didn't meet my expectations. And when Jesus came, he said, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. Well, I don't want to do that. Why? Because we want Jesus to be our Savior, but not our Lord. I want you to rescue me. I want the gifts. I want salvation, but I don't want you to have access to the rest of my life. I don't want you to tell me what to do. And we miss it. We miss the life and the freedom and the love and the joy that is only available when we submit all of our life to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Don't miss it. Don't, don't miss it. We sing it every year. Enjoy to the world. Let every heart, don't, don't make me sing it. Let every heart prepare him room. Yeah, that'd be a really good thing to do. Somebody should do that. Let every heart prepare him room, except I'm too busy and I don't have the room. What if we actually did that? What if you actually made space for Jesus? If Jesus wanted to come and be born in your life today, would you make time? Does he fit in your busy schedule? What does Advent mean to you? If Jesus doesn't meet your expectations, if, if we just say, oh, that's great, Jesus, and we'll do the Christmas thing, but come January, I'm going to go back to my old ways. I'm going to go back to my old habits. You want to know the people that missed it the most, that were face-to-face with the Messiah and they missed it? The religious people. You have to think about that for a second. If your version of Christianity is a checklist and doing a bunch of things to be a better person, or I I know I became a Christian, so I'm going to cuss a little bit less. I'm going to smoke a little bit less and drink a little bit less and try to not yell, yell at my wife so much. As if Christianity just gives you more things to feel guilty about. Is that the good news of great joy for all people that the angels spoke of and sang of that night? I don't think so. Jesus wants all of you. The good news is that it's not about you. It's not about your goodness. It's about Jesus' goodness. That he came and he did not stay as a baby in a manger, but he grew to be a man who lived and died and rose again so that you could have a relationship with him the entire year and not just on Christmas. Amen? Don't miss it. Don't miss it because he doesn't fit your box or your expectations. How can you be fully present this Advent season? Maybe it's as simple as this. You've never done it before. An Advent devotional as a family. 
It's not too late to start. It's only week two. You're fine. You're halfway there. Just slow down. Find an Advent devotion. Read, read a, a passage. Read a, a scripture. Every night as a family around the dinner table. Slow down. Be together. Maybe it's grabbing one of the, the postcards that you're going to get on your way out today to invite somebody to one of our Christmas Eve services. We do multiple so that you can invite them based on whatever their schedule is. This postcard is not for you to throw in the recycling or put on your fridge and forget about it. This is for a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member for you to, that is waiting for an invitation. They're not going to come unless you invite them. And don't come inviting them to hear a pastor, a preacher, or a building, or a church. Invite them to experience the hope that is only found in Jesus. That's what we're after at Hope Elam. That's the invitation. Maybe it's thinking outside of yourself and getting, getting outside of yourself to one of our outreach projects. Not one, not two, but three that we're doing. Giving table with Genesis Youth Foundation, helping uh, culturally ethnic appropriate foods for those that are in our community and, and supporting them that way. Maybe it's Homes of Hope, building homes at the border at Tijuana. Maybe it's our Joy to the City project. If you go out today, you're going to see a whole bunch of tags on the trees. I didn't look if there's any left, but there should be some left out there. We're sponsoring over 175 kids from 58 different families in our neighborhood this year. Praise God. It's, it's going to be an amazing thing. Here's the thing. Last time I heard, we were about halfway there. So it would be awesome if today after the service, all of those tags were gone. That would be awesome. And hear me say this. It's not a project. People aren't projects to fix. They're people to love. And when we talk about getting gifts or sponsoring a family, I'm not talking about an Xbox or a bike. I'm talking about socks. I'm talking about a toothbrush. I'm talking about maybe a vacuum. I'm talking about household cleaning products that they don't have. When you're out, what would it look like to be fully present this Advent season and saying, maybe life is not all about me. I am surrounded by hurting people, and they need to know that they are seen by God. Why did Jesus come? It's the same way that when you're talking to an adult, you stand like this, and when you're talking to a child, you get down on their level so you can look them in the eyes. That is the gospel. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we have the opportunity to do as well, to be fully present. Love has a speed, and it's slower than we are, but the second part of that is that love has a volume, and it's often heard best in quiet. God wants to give us the gift of his presence. He also wants to give us the gift of listening, of prayer. Everybody say prayer. I don't know what you think about when you hear the word prayer, but for a lot of us, it's shooting some prayers up to heaven, you know, like up to the iCloud, see if God gets them on the upload, right? What if you thought of prayer of maybe 10% talking and sharing with God your heart and 90% listening? 90% listening. When we learn to wait, we also learn to listen. God forces us to, to slow down and most importantly, to hear the voice of God. And nobody knows that better than a man named Elijah. If you have your Bibles, open up, go to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. We're just going to camp out here for a moment. 1 Kings chapter 19. Some of you are like, what does this have to do with Christmas? Nothing and everything. So hang with me, okay? Elijah is a prophet, and Elijah is stressed, and he's overwhelmed, and he's running for his life, and he wants nothing to do with this role that he's been called to be a spokesperson to God's people. He literally wants to die. He's like, God, I'm through. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm over with. And what does God do? What I love about what God does is he sets him down under a tree 
he has, he's ministered to, and he takes a nap. Further proof that one of the most holy things that you can do is take a nap on Sunday afternoon. Amen? It's in the Bible, okay? Ministers to him, get some food, says Elijah. Don't make a decision when you're hangry. It's never good to do anything when you're hangry. And then he says this, Elijah, pick up the story in verse 11. Go out and stand by the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for I am about to pass by. Now, often we think that if God's going to show up in my life, if he's going to speak, it's going to be a giant sign or it's going to be an audible voice like, go to Drake Diner for lunch, right? You know, just very, very clear that we're going to hear from God on very specific, tangible things. And so Elijah's thinking, oh, God's going to show up. So it's going to be big, audible. Instead, Elijah hears a giant wind come up. God's not in the wind. Then Elijah hears a giant earthquake come by the mountain. No sign of God, not in the earthquake. Then finally, a giant fire, all-consuming fire. Surely this must be God. He's a fire. No God. And then... And then, in verse 12, it says, After the fire came a gentle whisper. The English is not a direct good translation from the original Hebrew, but Hebrew scholars will best say that the whisper in the original Hebrew is best translated as the sound of silence. When Elijah heard the silence, he knew it was God. Have you spent enough time being present with God for no other reason than to be still with him? I don't need you to fix anything, God. I don't need anything from you. Way more than I want your gifts, I want you. All I want for Christmas is you. That maybe the most important voice that you could hear over the next 20-some days is the voice of God himself. Why would God choose to whisper to Elijah? Why does God whisper to us? Because you whisper when you're close. You have to shout when you're far away. But you whisper when you're close. And could it be that God, in our waiting, is actually drawing us in? That our difficulty in hearing from God in our life might be directly related to the amount of noise in our life. How noisy and cluttered is your life? That if God wanted to speak to you, which he is every moment of every day, would you be able to hear him? Would you know that he's there? In our waiting, God is drawing us in. He's calling us to lean in. So that we could hear his heartbeat in the same way that the Virgin Mary did. That we would be that close to God to have that kind of intimacy. He's drawing us in. He's saying, lean in. Lean into my heart. I don't want you to just go through the motions this Christmas season. I want you to experience me. Let every heart prepare him room. Lean into the heart of God this Advent. Don't make it to Christmas and have missed Jesus. Don't miss the point. Lean in. I cannot help but lean in and think of an infamous day on the slopes. This was many years ago. I was living in Colorado with my brother. 
He's a couple years older than me, and one of the things we love to do, as everybody does in skiing, everybody owns a Forester, and everybody goes skiing on the weekends. That's what you do in Colorado. We owned a Forester, and we went skiing a lot. And so my brother was a little bit more experienced than I. He said, we're going to go to Copper Mountain. It's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, this will be great. I've skied before. This is awesome. And so we get out. We hit a few slopes. Uh, It's snowing. It's a beautiful day. And uh, we do a few of them. And he takes me, and there's some signage, there's some categories for how difficult the hills are. And he said, oh, this one's a double black diamond. It'll be fine. (laughs) I did not exactly know what that meant, but now I know what that means, as in, like, you're going to possibly die if you go down this hill. And we get to the top of the hill, and literally this is what what I I said to my brother and what went through my head. Well, I've skied in Boone. (laughs) How hard could this possibly be? And he's like, let's go. And I'm like, let's go. And we go down the hill and we're going. And all of a sudden, I'm not just, I'm like, I'm going 50 miles an hour. Like, I've lost control. We're going down the hill. And all of a sudden, I start going, boom, 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 boom. They put these things called moguls on the hill of death already to make it even harder. And so I'm bouncing. I'm trying to keep, keep up. And I'm falling multiple times. And I have to get up three or four times. And I'm going, I'm like, I am literally going to die. This is going to be the end of me. I fall several times. I run into the fence. I run into a tree. We finally get to the bottom. I'm all disheveled. And I pick myself up. And I look at my brother. And I say, Nathan, you yelled at me all throughout the hill. Lean in. Lean in. I'm like, does lean in mean die? Like, what does that mean? Why why did you constantly yell at me by my side? Lean in. Lean in. He's like, here's the thing. When you are out of control and you don't feel in control at all and you're hitting the bumps, your human nature is to stand up so that you feel more in control. When actually the best thing that you can do when you're going fast and you're out of control is lean in to the difficulty. Is lean in to the mountain. And you'll enjoy the ride much more. Whatever you're waiting for, whatever you're struggling with, maybe this Advent, God is calling you to lean in. I know your setbacks are there. I know your difficulties are there. I know the mountain has a lot of bumps to it. But I am calling you to lean in, to hear my voice, because nothing is more important. There is no voice that is more important for you to hear this Advent season, then the voice of God. We receive his presence. We receive the gift of prayer and finally receive the gift of power. Everybody say power. Power. This is a a famous verse. If you go to the next slide, we've heard it before, but I want you to look at it in a new way from the prophet Isaiah. Let's read it together. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Anybody heard of that verse before? Quite a few. Yeah, we've heard of that verse, right? Here's, we love that verse of what God does. Oh, I love that verse. I'm going to fly like the eagles. I'm not going to be tired and weary anymore, right? He's going to give me this new strength and this new power. And what we forget is our side of it. What's our side of that? Is those who what? No, I don't want to do that. I just want the gifts. I just want the strength. I just want the power. I just want to soar like eagles. And God says... Wait. For some of you, you're weary today. For some of you, the truth is, we sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. For a lot of you, it's not. It's going to be your first Christmas without a loved one. You're already missing them. You're struggling with depression or anxiety or alcoholism. You're lonely. 
You're going through a job change. It's not the most wonderful time. Maybe everything's great, and if that's awesome, fantastic. But for a lot of us, we are weary, and we've gone everywhere else to make it except the source. It's like we run around if your phone is low on battery and you're running around just hoping that it'll get filled up. And we go a lot of different places in our life. We go to, we go to friends, we go to, to, to social media, we go to uh, online, we look for, for tips and techniques and how to get, get filled up. And we've, there's only one place that you're gonna get filled up with that power is the outlet, is the source. You gotta plug in, you gotta lean into the heart of God. That's how you're gonna make it. Jesus, give me my daily bread. Not my monthly bread, not my Costco version bread, and my daily bread. That I'm going to trust that you're going to be enough for today. Plug into the source, and that's where the power comes from. That's where the power comes from. That's the offer that Jesus is making. Some of you are looking for tips and techniques, and what you need is a personal encounter with God Almighty himself. Amen? That's what you need. We're obsessed with the gifts. God calls us to know the giver. He is God with us, Emmanuel. It's time to lean in. And I'll say this in closing. One of the things that we often forget about that story with Elijah, I love that story. One of the things that we overlooked as I was rereading it this week, God never gave an explanation to Elijah for hardly anything that he was going through. God, oh, here's the reason that you have so much pain and heartache in your life. God didn't even answer all his questions. Elijah was looking for an explanation, and God gave him a revelation, an experience of himself. Something happened in that moment in the cave when Elijah experienced and had a personal and personal relationship, a personal encounter with the God of the universe, and you can too. That's where the power came from. And what we often forget about in the story is that Elijah has this experience and God doesn't let him sit still for very long. God sends him right back out on mission. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he calls you to be still, to be with him this Christmas season so that he can do what he wants to do in you to do what he wants to do through you. Amen? God wants to fill you with his power so that he can send you right back out. Verse 15, God says to Elijah, go back the same way you came. He didn't say avoid the difficulties in your life and that maybe the reason that God speaks to us in the silence is that he can send, not take us out of our circumstances, but send us right back into our circumstances with a different kind of strength, with a different kind of power. God is always working, amen? And that maybe God's silence is his setup for breakthrough. Maybe God's silence is his setup for breakthrough in your life. To be still, to know that he is God. Out of all the gifts that you could receive this Christmas season, let your heart prepare him room to experience his power. Ask Elijah, ask Mary and Joseph and the shepherds as they experienced the God of the universe breakthrough after hundreds of years as a tiny baby born in a feeding trough that first Christmas night. God's silence does not mean his absence. And in the waiting, God does his best work. And that's why we wait for it. That's why we wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Wait. Say, wait for it. Wait. Amen. Wherever you're at, let's stand together and prepare our hearts for Holy Communion.
Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.